This podcast covers serious crimes and subject matter that may be distressing to some audience members. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to True Crime on Our Minds. I'm Dawn and with me is my co-host and sister, Debbie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Oh, I am still worn out from this past week, but she's officially married. Yay. We have one married and one more to go. One more for me, two for you. Ugh, don't even go there. At least yours are boys. Let me tell you, having a daughter, it's just, uh, it's been a lot, but it was a gorgeous wedding. They're on their honeymoon, which is where I wish I was, but here we are recording. Yes. And it's so, unfortunately, we did not get to record together because it was way too hectic, but it was great to be there and spend time with everybody. And I'm still suffering a little bit of jet lag back here in Arizona from Chattanooga, but I think I'll push through it. Plus, I mean, that house was absolutely gorgeous, but a house built in the late 1800s has very high ceilings and really not great places to record in. And wood floors. So and wood yeah. floors. And our loudmouth family which definitely would have interrupted our recording. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, today's episode involves uh, Christy Sheets, a mother who shot and killed her two daughters. The murders took place in Katy, Texas, which is just west of Houston. And Debbie, do you have a city fact or crap for us today? Well, you know that I do. So today's fact or crap is there is a witch buried at Katy Magnolia Cemetery. Fact or crap? I think that that sounds like it's a fact. Well, to get you back, it's a maybe, like you did to me last time. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we don't really understand this concept of fact or crap. (laughs) Well, I thought you did it to me last week, so this is payback. But ghost hunters report that the cemetery is haunted and have reported that they have visited the witch's gravesite. Legend has it that if you visit the site and read the epitaph on the gravestone in unison that strange occurrences may happen. The stone reads, and I quote, remember me as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you soon shall be. Prepare for death and follow me. One woman claimed that after performing this ritual that a witch's spirit followed her home and she sees her deranged grin every time she looks in the mirror. Locals say the cemetery is just a peaceful resting place and the story of the witch being buried there has never been proven. But I thought that was an appropriate factor crap seeing how we are in the month of October. Oh, Halloween. And Halloween will be soon. And I don't know if it's the witch that was deranged in that woman's mirror or maybe her, but still, (laughs) I thought it was an interesting story. Yeah, I don't like those things that are like, you repeat this, you're going to be haunted. Or if you sit in this chair, you're going to die a mysterious death or any of those kinds of things. Like, I'm way too superstitious. Oh, I don't... I had never watched any type of horror scare movies. And I remember when the kids would have slumber parties and they do that Bloody Mary thing or Ouija boards. Uh, 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 that's not me. I am very easily spooked. So no, that's, that's oh, not well, my this thing. This is coming from the sweet older sister of mine who on one of my slumber parties, because Elvis Presley died on my birthday and I had a slumber party. And remember we did the seance and you had dad go around and knock on the, the 
window of our den and scared the crap out of a bunch of 10-year-olds. I don't know if you remember that or not. Well, if you know our dad, he loved to play a prank. And so it doesn't take much convincing him to get him to do anything. Does not. Okay, well, let's jump in today. All righty, let's do it. So Christy Bird Sheets was born May 2nd, 1974 and raised in Decatur, Alabama. She studied at Bowder College and received an Associate of Arts in Business, Management, Marketing and Related Support Services. Although her LinkedIn page said she worked as a business manager at a tattoo removal business, her former employer said she was actually more like the receptionist, at least for a few months in 2015 before he had to fire her. Christy also had her own business, Patches and Pink Pickles. Did you see what that business was? I just thought that was a really interesting name. That is interesting. I didn't see that. I wonder what kind what, what she did. Pink Pickles. I don't know. It doesn't sound very appetizing. Uh, she also held other positions, including executive assistant, marketing assistant, and hairstylist. Jason Sheets was born June 24th, 1971, and graduated from East Lawrence High School in Trinity, Alabama in 1989. He earned a Bachelor of Science degree in mathematics from Oglethorpe University in Atlanta, Georgia, graduating magna cum laude in 1993. Jason worked as an IT consultant at Oxy. He and Christy met and married in Alabama and had two daughters. Taylor, 22, was born in Huntsville, Alabama. She graduated with honors from Lone Star College Sci Fair in the spring of 2015. Taylor was described by friends and one of her employers as being an amazing artist and very passionate about caring for children. In fact, she had taken a day job at a local child care and pre-K school teaching three and four-year-olds. Taylor had also decorated the facility with her artwork. In the evenings, she worked as a nanny. Well, that's a lot of dealing with children. Not sure I could do that. Mm-mm. One of her childhood friends told reporters that Taylor was working to achieve her goal of becoming a professional artist and had illustrated scrapbooks and photo albums for the clients of his photo booth business. She was also madly in love with her fiancé, Juan Lugo and was looking forward to their wedding on June 27, 2016. The couple had been dating for nearly five years. Her sister Madison, 17, was born in Coleman, Alabama, and described as always smiling and having a giving heart. She would be entering her senior year at Seven Lakes High School in the fall of 2016. Madison also loved children and had been babysitting part-time since she was 14. Like her sister, she was also a talented artist. A lot of Madison's Facebook posts were about her love for her family, including one that said, Moms and dads are a promise from God that you will have a friend forever. The family left Alabama for Katy, Texas, and were living at 6011 Remsom Hollow Lane when the event took place. So, trouble began to brew in 2012 when Christy lost her grandfather. You see, Christy's mom, Becky, was a single mother, and Christy was primarily raised by her grandparents, and she was exceptionally close to her grandfather. She was devastated by this loss and was deeply depressed after his passing. And then a few months later, her mother, Becky Bird, also passed away. She went on numerous prescriptions to help with her depression and anxiety, but they only seemed to make her feel worse. She had also seen a therapist. According to her husband, in the years leading up to the incident, Christy had been admitted to a private mental health facility on three separate occasions for trying to commit suicide. Her issues put a strain on the marriage, and the couple eventually ended up separating. However, they got back together just days before the shooting. Then on Friday, June 24, 2016, was Jason Sheets' 45th birthday. But instead of it being a day of celebration, it would end in tragedy. Earlier that day, Christy and Taylor had had an argument. 
Christy had tried to ground her daughter and forbid her from seeing her fiancé. Jason told Christy that this was an inappropriate punishment for their adult daughter. Totally agree. Yeah, really. When he returned from work, he announced to his wife that he wanted a divorce and this would be the last birthday that you are going to ruin. That's in quotes. This conversation took place in their backyard. Then around 5 p.m., Christy called a family meeting. Jason told investigators that he thought she was going to tell the girls that they were going to get a divorce, but instead... Christy pulled out the gun her grandfather had given her, a 38 caliber, and began shooting at her daughters. Madison was struck in the neck and Taylor in the back. Jason told investigators that when Christy first pulled out the gun, she pointed at him and said, quote, you made me do this. You're making me do this. She had many opportunities to shoot her husband, but she only shot the girls. Jason felt she didn't shoot him because she wanted him to live with the pain of losing his daughters. There are also 911 calls made by Taylor and Madison during the confrontation in the living room. The girls are heard screaming and begging for their lives. One of the girls said, quote, Please don't shoot. Please. I'm sorry. Don't do it. Jason is also heard pleading with his wife to drop the gun, stating, I'm sorry. I promise you whatever you want. How horrific. It's. I listened to it and it is heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. I listened to it too. And it was all I could do to get through them. We have the recordings that we will post on our website for you to listen to. I will warn you, they they are um, disturbing. Very disturbing. Jason was able to get both girls out the front door, but Christy was right behind them. Madison fell in the front yard. Taylor ran into the street and Jason ran to the cul-de-sac at the end of the street. Witnesses said that Christy followed Taylor and shot her again, and Jason Sheets was heard pleading with his wife, don't do this, there are kids. Christy tried to shoot another time, but was apparently out of bullets. She calmly went back into the house, came back out with a reloaded gun, and shot Taylor a third time. In a 911 call, one neighbor provided the dispatcher with an account of the incident as it happened in front of the Sheets' home, stating, there's a lady with a gun. She's coming out of the house right now. There are two people shot outside. When the shooting stopped and Christy went back in the house, the neighbor stated, hopefully she's not getting any more bullets because it looks like she's going to need some more bullets. Shortly after that, he told the dispatcher that the woman had come back outside and fired the gun again. She was just walking normally with a gun. There was no expression, no hurry or rush, just walking with a gun. No expression on her face. She was just looking straight, stated one witness. Yet another neighbor of the sheets, Sabi Siddiqui. Why do I always get the most difficult parts to read? And I even <laughs> did it to myself this time. Yes, she did. Sabi Siddiqui witnessed part of the incident as it unfolded in the street. He said he heard a domestic dispute but didn't want to get involved. When he heard the gunshot, he looked out of his blinds and saw a police officer pointing his gun and yelling, drop your weapon. Full share police officers responded to the numerous 911 calls and witnessed Christy shoot Taylor the third time. They ordered her to drop her weapon. When Christy refused to comply and began to advance to the officers with gun in hand, an officer fired one shot, killing her instantly. She was just 42 years old. Madison was pronounced dead at the scene from her gunshot wound to the neck. Taylor, who had been shot three times in the neck and back, was airlifted to Memorial Hermann Hospital, where she later passed away. Jason Sheets, who had run to a neighbor's house for help, was not physically injured, but was in shock, understandably. According to Fort Bend County Sheriff Troy E. Nails, when asked why his wife shot Taylor and Madison, Jason responded that Christie wanted him to suffer. 
She knew how much he and the girls loved each other and that Jason would have to live the rest of his life with the horrible memory of seeing his daughters gunned down by their mother. Anne Sheets Wooten, the girl's grandmother, was interviewed by Time. She stated that friends and family members were shocked and that, quote, I just can't handle it today or ever, I guess. Christy Sheets was described as being a devoted mom who lived for her children. In 2015, she posted on Facebook, Happy Daughter's Day to my amazing, sweet, kind, beautiful, and intelligent girls. I love and treasure you both more than you could ever possibly know. Christie's friend, Catherine Knowles, told reporter, This woman loved her children. That was her life purpose. Christie wasn't crazy. I don't know what could have made her snap to do this. It's insanity. The whole thing. While Knowles said that Christie was not under any emotional stress the days before the shooting, police had responded to calls 14 times since 2012, including once when Christie was described as having a mental crisis. Some of the others were because of issues with their security alarm. The county attorney indicated that details of those calls could not be released for legal reasons. But I had read that at least five of those were uh, domestic issues. So there there were definitely something going on in the household. It was definitely not a, a pleasant place to be. Yeah, definitely some indicators. John Hollis, Christie's employer at the tattoo removal business, said the news of the shooting shook him to the core. He described Christy as having charm that she could turn on when she wanted, but could also turn the other way. Hollis told reporters that although the couple had been separated, he did not see any warning signs. He stated, quote, I don't think anyone at any time at any place can ever tell me anything that will make sense of this awful, awful tragedy. Madison's obituary described her as true, kind, honest and loyal. Quote, she was true and honest with herself, and she was a loyal and amazing friend to so many. Madison was a very pretty girl who also had a warm and innocent heart. Taylor said, quote, she had a great sense of humor and was very independent. She was beautiful both inside and out and was a caring, supportive friend to many. A memorial service for Taylor and Madison was held in Houston. Both girls were laid to rest in Limestone Memorial Gardens in Athens, Alabama. Their father, Jason, delivered the eulogy stating, If you have loved ones, tell them you love them every day and give them a hug because you never know it might be your last day. Or theirs. Yeah. I mean, I think about that, you know, with my kids not living here, I'm always wanted to tell them that. He also said Taylor and Madison knew that he loved them and that they loved him. One report indicated that Christie's service was held separately and that she would be cremated. However, we did not find any details about her service or where she is laid to rest. A GoFundMe campaign was started by friends of Jason, and we were able to find it when researching the story. However, there doesn't appear to be any activity over the past three years. $7,910 of the $25,000 goal was raised to help Jason get through the tragedy and have the funds when he needed them. The last post was made by Jason Sheets and says, Thank you to everyone who contributed to this fund. The money was used to take care of arrangements for the girls. God bless each and every one of you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. The girls were my world and I miss them every day of my life. They were beautiful people and astonishingly bright lights in a very dark world. Everyone that knew them was touched by their kindness, maturity, and grace. They were better people than I have ever been or will ever be. Thank you on their behalf. They will always be with the Lord and also with me. I live my life now to try and accomplish a small piece of the good things they would surely have accomplished in their lives. God bless you again, Jason Sheets. Just some side notes. Madison Davey, a close family friend, 
described Christy as toxic for the family and mentally unstable. Davies said that she always knew something would happen, but never imagined that Christy would harm the girls. She believed there was no motive, but instead the incident was a result of Christy's mental illness. And, quote, mental illness is a serious issue, she stated. The family of Taylor's fiancé, Juan Lugo, posted on Facebook, Y'all were a part of our family, and that will never change. The greatest in-laws anyone could ever have, and the sweetest, most wholesome and caring girls in my life. I look up to y'all so much. Y'all were a light in the midst of this crazy world. We will all love you, too, until the end of time. So Taylor and Juan were to be married. This incident happened on Friday, and they were going to be married at the courthouse the following Monday. So my heart really goes out to him. I just feel so bad that he had to suffer this tragedy when he was expecting to celebrate his love for her and spend the rest of his life with her. Well, exactly. That they were really looking forward to starting their lives and an exciting new adventure together. But I I wonder if just the stress of that, obviously, she did not want her daughter marrying him for whatever reason. So I wonder if the stress of that, then Jason wanting the divorce, if all of that on a very fragile woman is just what made her one of the reasons why she snapped, because it just seems like the timing of everything. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's not like Taylor and Juan, you know, had just only been in a relationship a very short time. They'd been dating for nearly five years. You would think that she would know that this was coming. And I had also read that they were doing the wedding in the courthouse. But after she graduated from college, I guess she was returning back to college, then they were going to have a much bigger wedding. But I agree with you. It does seem like there was just too much stress. When I look at the Facebook page, and this is something that's very interesting, and it reminds me of another case of that uh, family annihilator. What was his name? Chris Watts, I believe Mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. His wife was on Facebook all the time. They just seem to have like the perfect family and the perfect life. And when you look at the Facebook pages of Christy and Taylor and Madison, they all look so happy and they all love each other. And it just goes to show you never really know what is going on in a person's life. But when I look at some of Christy's photos and her posts, there's just a lot of what I would consider over the top selfies. When I was doing the research and I looked at her post, I was just thinking that this is a woman that is very self-involved with how she looks and how she appears to people on the outside. Well, I think that she liked to be in control. And with your daughter getting married, you're definitely losing that. Not that she was in control, but this was also a college graduate grown woman who was still living at home. And I think that she, I don't think she could adjust to the fact that her daughters were growing up and were would be moving away from her. With my daughter just getting married, you know, we were happy and excited, but it's a very bittersweet time because she's now starting her own family, you know, with her with her husband. So I think that for a person that likes to be in such control of her image and her family, that the divorce, the daughter getting married would be enough to make you snap. Yeah, she was not only going to be losing her daughter, but she was losing her husband. And, and this perfect life she had portrayed on Facebook. So 
That's just our opinions, though. We have no inside knowledge and we are by no means a therapist. (laughs) Those are just just two women giving a female point of view. Also, in September 2016, Jason Sheets appeared on an episode of Dr. Oz to discuss the tragedy. And I watched part of that and he said it was very hard for him to even go back and think about that day, which totally, I, I don't see how you could ever. Yeah, and he didn't do very many interviews. I think that the Dr. Oz was the first one, I believe, that when he spoke out publicly. I know at the time of the tragedy, he wasn't speaking to any of the reporters. It was all family, friends. Um, Even through when you looked through the information on the funeral, everything that was reported was not from Jason Sheets. It was from friends of his. Which just anybody who's devastated, that's totally understandable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would be sedated. You wouldn't even be able to get anything out of me. So the five shot 38 caliber handgun that Christy used to murder her daughters had been left to her by her grandfather, like we mentioned before, the one whose death that she was mourning so deeply. She had applied for a license to carry the handgun, but her application had been denied by the state. It's unclear why her application was denied. Christy was very vocal on Facebook about gun control and her right to carry a semi-automatic handgun. In one post, she stated, It would be horribly tragic if my ability to protect myself or my family were to be taken away, but that's exactly what Democrats are determined to do by banning semi-automatic handguns. Which is the irony of this whole tragedy. Uh, Yeah. The gun that she wanted to protect her family with was the one that she ended up using to kill her two daughters. I think that gun people like their guns. People don't want to have guns. That's fine. It's your choice. My issue is more of the mental health issue. We really need to make sure that people who are suffering from mental health issues get the treatment that they need um, because you're not going to be able to keep guns out of people's hands. And that's probably why she couldn't get a license was because she'd been in and out of treatment facilities for mental health. So she she shouldn't have been owning a gun. And I read one report that said Jason didn't know that she had the gun. No, he didn't know she had the gun. Mm-mm. I'm sure he would not have let her keep the gun in her state had he known that she had the gun. Yeah, it's just very, very tragic. Like we said, we brought this story up more about the mental health issue. It's a big issue in this country. For a long time, mental health issues have been something to be embarrassed of and swept under the rug and kept quiet and not talked about and taboo. And it actually, we need to lift that off so that people that are suffering from mental illness do not feel ostracized and feel like they can't come forward. I just think that it shouldn't be, it should be something that we acknowledge that it is there. And especially with the pressures of social media to show that our lives are perfect and that you think that everybody else that you see has a perfect life. Um, The stresses of of jobs were so so much expectations. And family on top of that. family on top of that, that mental illness is just an issue that really needs to be talked about. And if you see somebody that is struggling or suffering, you need to help them to get help. Yeah, I agree. Mental health is is something that is really being swept under the rug in this country. And, And like Davey, the friend of the family said, it's a real issue and it needs to be addressed. Exactly. So that was why we focused on this story this week. Well, do you want to tell everybody about our exciting girls trip that we're going to be taking together? 
Yes, we are really excited. We're going to be attending the meet and greet of some of our favorite true crime podcasters in Charleston, South Carolina at the end of the month. I'm real excited to put some faces to the voices that we listen to and have been an inspiration for us as we start our own podcast. Also, it will be a 10-hour road trip with my sister. (laughs) And the last time I've taken a long road trip with her, she forced me to listen to country music the whole drive. So hopefully this trip will go a lot better. I don't listen to country music anymore. That was just a phase, but I'm sure this time we'll have our true crime podcasts on. I've been saving up a bunch of them, so we'll we'll listen to those, but you'll probably be sleeping most of the way since you have to work the night before we leave. But um, that might be a good thing so that you're not as worried about my driving. <laughs> That's true. That's, that is also a very scary uh, thing too, is your driving. Yeah. So if you're in the area of Charleston, South Carolina, it's the Southern True Crime Podcast meet and greet. I think you can find the information on Southern Fried True Crimes Facebook page. We'll try to repost it to our Facebook page, but we're looking forward to it. It'll be an opportunity for us to ask some questions and get some insight on how to make our podcast better. Our next episode will be an unsolved topic. I've been wanting to do one that's like a cold case or an unsolved for a while. I actually spoke with a friend of mine today and she has one she's going to be sending me information on that sounds like it's going to be a really good one. And I like to do ones where we can get people's insight and perspective about it so that it's more personable and and one that most of our listeners probably wouldn't have heard of. So I have a question for you. If a woman kills her husband or one or more, she's called a black widow. So what is a man that kills multiple wives called? Hmm. Good question. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, we know that the black widow kills her mates. Yeah. Her mates after she procreates. And I'm not even sure we'd have to look that up to see why that is. There should be a name for men to do that because it seems like it ha- it's more common for men to kill their wives than the other way around. I guess they're just assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and our podcast contains explicit language. <laughs> yeah, this one will. We really want to start doing our hero segment. So if you have a recommendation for somebody, who has done something extraordinary. It doesn't have to be, you know, like save somebody's life, but just somebody who did something really good, who was just being a good human being. Please uh, drop us a line on our Facebook page. We want to start profiling those at the end of our episodes. And sorry that this one is late again, but now that Debbie's done with her wedding planning, we should be able to get back on a a normal schedule. We're going to continue to do every other week up until November 1st, and then we'll go back to weekly. So... Until then, make good choices, keep your head on a swivel, and stay safe. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of True Crime on Our Minds. Check out our Facebook page and website at truecrimeminds.com, where you can see photos and other information related to episodes and submit recommendations on other crimes. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and provide us with a rating. You can also find us on Patreon and sign up to get extra content and support the show.